0: everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Decision Hour. I am your host, Adam Bird, and uh, I got a real treat for you guys uh, today. And I'm going to start this show off a little bit differently than I normally do. I'm going to ask a question, and the question is, what happens when you put two Army Ranger veterans and one of the world's most talented photographers together in a room? We're going to find that out today. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to bring my guests Dan, Tom, and Bo on. Gentlemen, welcome to the show.
1: How's it? Thank you going. Thank hey, for having hey, us. Well,
0: guys, I wanna I wanna dive right into this a little bit, uh, because we got a, we got a lot to cover uh today, but why don't you each uh give our listeners a little little background about yourselves. Dan, let's let's start with you. Sure. So uh I grew up in military
2: brat. My dad was in the air force, um uh, lived all over the country and in other countries. Uh, Went to high school in Southern California. Bo and I have grown up being best friends pretty much uh, from when we were five years old because he lived two doors down from my grandparents. So every time I would visit, uh, he was right there. And then when we moved to California, uh, we went to high school together. So, um, you know, obviously our lives took a different path initially. And uh, I joined the Army, um, served in 2nd Ranger Battalion for six years, deployed six times through to Iraq, through Afghanistan, uh, got out went in the National Guard, which is where Tom and I kind of crossed paths. Uh, we served together teaching OCS cadets um, how to be not morons and uh, we how tried. to find themselves in the woods. Um, but uh, we taught that for a couple of years together. And uh, while I was going to school, went to Appalachia State University, got my undergrad and a few master's degrees. And then uh, we all crossed paths again in 2020. It was just kind of a natural thing where we ended up
0: Coming back together to to work on a project, love it, absolutely love it. Thank you, Tom. What what about you?
1: Yeah, so I um, I enlisted straight out of high school on my eight. I actually signed in on my 18th birthday to the absolute like, please don't do this of my entire family. Like this is a (laughs) mistake, and I'm like, well, I'm making it. And then, ironically enough, exactly one year later, so that was 1999, April 7th, and then April 7th, 2000, I landed at Second range Battalion um <clears throat> so dan and i didn't actually serve in rangers together he was we got a ship's passing in the night like 04 was an eye got out from regimental headquarters so all the guys that were like team leaders about to be squad leaders were his leadership you know he was in seco which you know we forgive him for um and i was in bico but um so it's, it's actually really funny and then one of the guys in the book vince vargas is actually kind of like this middle piece of it where i went you know one of the guys that vince served with who uh Unfortunately, it was KIA at one point, Rick Barraza and I went to rip together. So like, there's this like weird sort of fun connective tissue. Um, but yeah, I got out. I went to school at the University of Illinois graduated with my degree in poli-sci and then I helped, and I was one of the founders of Ranger Up, the Lifestyle apparel company, did that for eight years, um, did some safety and security consulting, um, did some other small business stuff. was obviously a part of the Range 15 movie project, um, which it's amazing being back in the veteran space. That's either like the greatest thing ever or the most infamous thing ever. No one has a you know milk toast opinion about that one. So <laughs> you know, um, and then yeah, like Dan said, we uh, we linked up uh, when I was in the National Guard uh, doing OCS stuff in North Carolina, and he had he had just gotten out of the Ranger Regiment. And uh, I was explaining to him that he had to really realign his perspective to the point where if you tell so. Our training area was is still to this day, I believe, right next to the JSOC compound, okay? Okay. And so that fence, it says, don't touch it, don't do anything. And every single time they would go out on their like pre, pre land now course, we'd be like, don't go near the fence, don't touch the fence, don't do anything with that fence, you might get shot. Because literally they will shoot you if you try and hop that fence, like they don't care, right? Wrong day. And so I'm explaining, he's brand I'm like, I'm like, so if I we're about to do this. You cannot emphasize this to these candidates enough. And he's kind of giving me the side eye. And, his, and our mutual friend Steve is like telling them the same thing. He's looking of like, whatever, hand of God, Adam. What, 15, 20 minutes, Dan? Yeah. We were at least in 15, 20 minutes. MPs roll up. You guys, gotta. People back in the woods. And I'm like, yeah. He pulls out his phone, shows us the pictures from the camera of them touching the fence. Um. Can you bring him back? <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, you idiots. Yeah. Right? Like he's looking at me like like I told you, dude, like they are they are exactly this smart. You know. He was much better working with them than I was, so he got him right eventually. But that was the uh, that was the first weekend we worked together. It's just I love don't it. It depends. Love it.
0: <laughs> love it. Thanks, Tom. And Bo, what about you, sir?
3: Yes, sir. I'll keep mine pretty short. It's hard for me to measure up to these two guys um, and their accomplishments, but I um, have a background in fashion photography, of a little over 12 years from Los Angeles to New York, working with some of the top modeling agencies and and brands out there. And uh, basically that transitioned into me wanting to cold turkey that career. I just got tired of working in that space and that industry and kind of came back to my roots of being a small town desert kid and, um, basically just fell in love with fine art photography. And so most of my work now is, you know, producing fine art photos for high-end clientele homes. And that actually was in conversation with Dan when I decided to move my life from California to North Carolina in 2020. And uh, Dan, I got connected and that's kind of where the start of the idea of the book came about in this project that we'll get into more in the episode
0: i love it and and ladies and gentlemen bo's being very humble right now yeah bo, bo yeah, really is. is like one of the world's most talented photographers i don't know about uh, that, that, I think, that that are that are <laughs> out there and and we'll make sure that you we'll we'll put your uh, link up too because your stuff is is truly amazing well thank you sir i appreciate that absolutely so all right gentlemen <clears throat> The reason why we're here today is, is to talk a little bit about a project that you guys um, have come together on. And um, this year marks a, a particular anniversary of something that's happened um, that hits near and dear to, to everybody's heart here in, in, in the United States. And, and that uh, this, this year is the uh, 20th anniversary of, of uh, 9-11, September 11th. Mm-hmm. And, and I think as, as we, as that draw near, and it's, it's funny, it's hard not to almost get choked up thinking about it. Um, Because up until talking with you you guys, I, you know, it hasn't been really mentioned uh, and whatnot. And this is a very, I think it's a very important topic to discuss. So let's, I'm going to let you guys kind of take it from here, but, but talk about this project that you guys are, what is this project? First off, what what is it that you guys are putting together? so last year 2020 um, I'm
2: sure this was the case for a lot of people but um, you know we're closed off in our houses you know stuck with our own feelings and thoughts and whatever we're trying to process from our past and everything else with it right and uh, you know up until 2020 I had kind of pushed off a lot of my veteran experiences and just you know not aligned with it uh, not really taken into account and just just push it off but for whatever reason I started getting more and more connected into the veteran community. And I wanted to, I wanted to do something to give back. I didn't know what it was yet. I had a bunch of ideas. None of them were really resonating. Um, and it just happened to be, I think, honest to God, faith, like fate that it happened, but Bo decided to move across the country. And in that process of moving across the country, he had just done uh, a photo series for here, um, heroes and heroes and horses. Hmm, yep. And, um, and so we were kind of talking about that project and I was telling him about how I wanted to do something different. And he, and then he was bringing up how he wanted to take photos from his journey across the U S and create a photo book out of it. And I was like, well, I want to give back to the veteran space. And he was like, well, I do too. I want to do another something for the veteran space. And so we just kind of kept talking about it. I was like, Dude, do you realize next year is going to be the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and that's going to be the 20th anniversary of the global war on terror. And he was like, I had no idea. So I was like, this, this is what we need to do. Mm -hmm. I was like, we need to capitalize on this being the 20th anniversary. We've got to bring it to the forefront of people. We've got to put these stories on record and written down so that they don't get lost. Because one thing that the previous generations weren't very good at was making sure to record the stories as Mm -hmm. they happened. Oftentimes they were long after the wars where people finally started coming around and telling their stories. And so that was kind of the idea behind behind the photo book was we wanted to capture these veterans and have them tell their story, get it written down and make sure that these are stories that can uh, inspire others, inspire other veterans to tell their stories and share it with their friends and families uh, to get out there and do podcasts or write books or whatever the case may be, but get it written down and get historical records of, of everything that we've endured because this is the longest war that our nation has ever been involved in and there's a lot of nuances that will be lost with history if we don't get it written down so that's what we did and uh, we started embarking on this journey Um, I'll let Bo kind of tell tell his part of the journey across the U.S. multiple times but um, we're really excited about the book because it's not just about their combat stories but it's much more about their transition story so we for each veteran in the book uh, we have 71 from all different branches, all different ranks, uh, grades, times in service, uh, spans within the 20 years where they served in that timeline. Um, you know, brothers and or yeah, brothers, sisters, father and son, uh, husband and wife who've all served together. It's kind of incredible uh, landscape of of veterans that we have. Uh, but we don't just tell their combat story; we tell their story from their perspective of their transition as well. We focus really on that because. One thing that we've gotten out of this book, the common theme we're hoping people get is that there is absolutely something to learn from every veteran. And what's interesting, we were just talking about this this last week is even though we have a common thread that we all served and we all, you know, uh, went to combat, everybody took something slightly different from it and somebody has something unique to share. And that's what we wanted to get across in the book.
0: I, I love that. And real quick, <clears throat> Bo, before you get started here, uh, those of you that are listening to the show right now, that means you're already on the internet. Open up another browser, and you can actually pre-order the book right now, gentlemen, if I'm not mistaken, if you go mm-hmm, to tw- 20yearwar.com. 20yearwar.com. I'll have uh, that link in the comment sections uh, and whatnot in the show description as well. So uh, please continue.
3: Yeah, thank you for that. Um, I mean... My journey as the photographer, uh, the book, it was um, a roller coaster of emotions from, I started, I think first photographing veterans back in I wanna say October of last year. Um, The first trip I did is I flew to Washington State and photographed a woman over there. And then um, when I came back, Dan and I were kind of preparing how many veterans total we wanted in the book. I think at first we were thinking of like between 60 and 70, and then we dwindled it down to about 50. And then we planned the first push, which was a cross-country road trip, uh, driving from North Carolina to California and then back again in under a month. And uh, I was basically, I think, just a few days away from leaving, and we only had about maybe seven or eight veterans on board. And uh, we just kind of were hoping to get a little bit more signed up because to make that big of a push, I want to try and stack up as many you know, interviews and photos as i could and i think while i was on the road dan was communicating back and forth with me of like who to meet up with at what time what city Uh, i drove across 42 states over 16,000 miles and after that trip after that month we actually had about 31 veterans from that trip that came on board and um and then by the end of this whole i'd say project of photographing veterans for about four or five months. We have 71 total. So we kind of went back up to our original
1: goal. Mm -hmm. So it was funny because they were at seven or eight. And Dan called me and he's like, hey, um, I've got this idea. And I was in the same boat, really, that that Dan was, especially after being at Ranger Up and after Range 15. And just the shift in the the veteran space that was going on at that time. I was burnt out and I wasn't particularly happy with some of the things that I saw. And I mean, I was wrestling with some of these things where I know what I intended to do at Ranger Up making goofy videos and and, and this and then to see sort of this vet bro culture of, you know, that just didn't really fit what I knew the esprit de corps to be, to see the like, and really, it's like they call it veteran culture, but really, it's the airsofters who came in and co-opted it, who never served, who never, who never get the joke, right? Like, let's let's just call spades here. Like, you know, it's not usually the dude that actually did it; it's the dude that wants to do it but doesn't have the balls to, right? So I'm I'm like I am just like so planted myself on the sh- on a shelf, being like I am out of this game. I am never coming back. I'm gone. And Dan's like, hey, I got this idea and he's not the first person to, to to pitch me an idea for some sort of content creation in the space going up to this and i have certainly was the crusher of hopes and dreams and he's like no like we're like you got to check both photography out and i heard he'd heard me do an interview about me sort of refining myself he's like that's the spirit that i want and I'm like all right tell me more and he's like and he's going through this and he's going and suddenly i'm like yeah yeah like this is this is the project man like the 20 year war like that's that's such a hook you know i mean even 20yearwar.com it just rolls off the tongue right i mean it's just it's so that title encapsulates everything and i'm like dude all right what do you need from me he's like i need your black book i'm like he's like we don't have enough veterans i need I, i need to get the word out i'm like say no more i am so excited adam i'm just jacked up. I I type out the first email to Bill Butler, who is the Chief of Staff for General Retired Farrier at the National Veterans Memorial Museum in Columbus. I'm like, Billy, you got to check this out. They need some help, like whatever. I don't put a subject line in it. (laughs) 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 Right? I'm just like, boom, and I look at it. I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, like you know, like dude sorry like at a bill i mean bill got back to me in probably 20 30 minutes right. he was like he's like like skates like and then the next one i sent out and i made really really sure was to general votel who i had been hit one of his staff ncos after i'd gotten hurt when i was at my time in the rangers and when they deployed to iraq i'd been back on family readiness so i got to know him and i got to know his family a little bit like hey sir um you know can can you can you help uh help, help some rangers out and he's like, "This is great. Tell me more." And eventually, he's writing the the foreword to it, and you know, and they went back and forth. And Bo's out on the road, and then Dan calls me up again. He's like, "Hey, um, you want to write this? Because we really, really need like some. We've got these great audio files, but we we need a writer." And I'm like, "Yeah, like let's do it." Nice. Um, and so, like. I guess I would say this for the audience. Like the one thing that I'll say is someone who has, you know, done a lot of content creation, who's, you know, at, you know, Adam, we were talking off air about having worked in, you know, podcast and radio, which I did for four years. Like I've, I've done it. Uh, these guys were already insane. They're like, hi, we're going to do a book. We're going to get all the content ready to get a book together in about three and a half months. Yeah. So we released the same year. Like you walk into random house or Simon and Schuster, these big print houses and they're like, Pfft. Get out of my office, yeah. like guys, yeah. you guys, you guys done missed your yeah. deadline by yeah. about a year. Yeah, and I was like, well, forget it. Let's take the ride. So, Bo's on the road. Um, you know, I'm at my day job, going back and forth between Chicago and Omaha, Nebraska, which is where I just moved to for for the day for the day gig. And uh, I am living in and out of hotels, and I'm like down at the hotel bar, getting like at the Embassy Suites with the free heavy pour, thanks Sherry and La Vista of the house cab like grabbing you know like in the audio like typing up all of these these files as they're coming in from bow you know just listening to these insane stories yeah just i mean all over the all over the map and as as people keep coming in and it's just just impactful moment after impactful moment and like some of these names that you know like you know you might have heard and, and some of these people you have no idea of and it's just like oh my god like this is this is this is the project and Like it's, it's really what Dan said. It's these are 71 different stories about how, you know, what someone decided to do, like why they decided to serve a very brief sketch of their service. I mean, we've got some people that, you know, can write and have, frankly, written memoirs about their time in service. And it's just this is what they did. Then it's this is what my transition was like. And I think the most important thing is this is what they're doing now. The, the the myth in the United States that the veteran is this broken, battered, beaten down creature is complete garbage. Like I almost yeah. dropped f bombs, but I'm not going to do that because we're on radio. Um, <clears throat> it's 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 shattered. And like what you see is you see so many of these men and women are thriving. Right. CEOs. I mean, CEOs of of millions, multi million dollar companies. Right. Um, you know, people that are living their dreams that have embraced their power, entrepreneurship, great jobs. I mean, you've got, we've got someone who climbed Mount Everest who works at McKinsey, like the premier consulting company in the world. And she lives out of her van because she's that badass, right? Like, it, 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 like the veteran is not book broken. The veteran is actually thriving. And we're really excited that this book, you know, 20 year war shows that.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I like that a lot because I think it's a, <clears throat> the veteran stories are not how do i put this i, I don't think there's stories that need to be told more often i think mm-hmm. and i think if it, it, it were a community that not only sets an example but but quite frankly especially in the world that we live in today um i think i think people could could use these stories and it probably if we learn from them and I think the world would probably be a better place. Yeah, yeah, quite frankly.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've never there's never been more information accessible, more truth, more knowledge in the world, right? Yeah. There's and 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 it feels like we're getting dumber. And I don't know, I don't know what that is. Someone smarter than me is an athlete's player. there's never been more opportunity in this world to go be an entrepreneur if you want to, if you have the work ethic and if you have the drive. And that's what you see, not just from the 71 men and women that chose to be a part of this book, but just across the community, when you get to know a veteran, like the, the sad thing is 0.85% of Americans served over the past years. That's not our number, that's the VA's number, okay? Like all, you know, and, and the whole 0.45 thing that was a decade ago that we came, that we looked at at Rain Drop, that was the VA's number too, it's just growing. It's, it's just 10 years later. Yeah. So less than 1% of the American population served in the longest war on record, the forever war. Is what you know people are starting to call it, and it's like <clears throat> they don't understand. So you go back to these cliche, tired narratives of, oh, we saw that guy in uniform at the ball game, he Captain America, like right? throw out the first pitch, cool. Or you know, PTSD, which is a real challenge in the community, but that certainly doesn't define the community. When you get to know us, right. you know, like you, <clears throat> you know, three of the four of us are veterans, and all three of the the veterans on this call right now are entrepreneurs out there taking risks, out there in small business, out there trying to positively impact their community, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and you see that over and over and over and over again. The Greatest Generation wasn't the Greatest Generation solely because they whooped Hitler's ass. Although that helped, it was because they came home and they were pillars of their community. They were the manager of the factory. They were the high school you know, civics teacher that that promoted that the the lessons of the past that they weren't going to be forgotten. They were the small business owners, the shop owners, the the college professors, all of these people. That's why they were the greatest generations because they came home and they continued to serve their community and continued to give back. And guess what? More veterans than not are doing that. It's just not. It's just not that what's being seen. And that you know you know, for me, and, and that was the hook ultimately why I decided to join Dan and, and Bo at United Valor, which is the parent company to the book, is because that's the mission, is to just show the truth. Like, this is who we are. This is what we want to be. This is where we're going to go. And, you know, forget what you saw from mass media. Forget all this. Listen to the stories of the individuals. Listen to what the event is telling you about himself.
0: I, I like that. And that's, that's a, a good transition to briefly talk about uh, the 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 parent company you had brought up uh, united valor and, and and real quick those of you again if you're listening to the show open up another open up another browser and go to 20yearwar.com you can pre-order the book right now and the book's coming out so
2: it'll be released to the general public in september anybody who pre-orders now will start shipping books in august and they'll get it before september 11th but the uh general
0: release is September 11th. Awesome. Talk a little bit about uh, the company. We are United Valor or United Valor. And if you, again, if you're online, go to weareunitedvalor.com because you guys, you guys also have a a podcast as well, right? We do. That's right. Talk a little bit about that.
2: So the the idea of the the company as a whole and then the podcast as well as you know the book is incredible. Uh, I'm, there's nothing you can draw away from the book other than it's it's simply stunning and the photographs are are all too telling in it. Um, but you can only put so much of somebody's story on paper, right? Especially when you're you're putting seventy-one veterans in the same book. So. I told Bo, I was like, if we're going to do this, we, we really need to have longer audio files, whether we create an archive or we do something. Um, and then we were like, well, why don't we just, you know, create a podcast for it? And I was like, let's do it. So we decided to jump into the world of podcasting, trying to, uh, trying to you know, dip our toes in the water. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just a, a matter of, you know, we wanted we wanted veterans to have the space and the time to be able to tell their entire story. Um, so again, we go all the way from their combat experience and these are a long format. So typically, you know, we spend roughly 45 minutes to an hour, uh, getting their combat stories and what it was like to serve and and wear the uniform and everything. And then the last hour to 45 minutes is talking about, um, what their transition was like and what they're doing now and how they're thriving today. Um, and you know, the life lessons they've carried with them along the way and, and, uh, you know we also ask them a really important question uh, almost every single veteran we ask is you know what advice do you have for veterans or what what advice do you have for transitioning veterans or what do you, what advice do you have for entrepreneurial veterans just trying to get their experience because you really we validate the person throughout the podcast and then we make sure that people take away something from them right um and that's kind of the intent of the podcast and the podcast is uh called never left behind and right now we're on, I think, just the three major platforms: so iTunes, Spotify, and uh, Google Podcasts.
0: And I'm willing to bet you're probably on a lot more than that, just with all the different feeds. Yeah, and probably. To, but that, yeah, that's that's, the, that's where you guys can listen. So if you, if you want to listen to their podcast, folks, you go to the homepage: uh, weareunitedvalor.com. Uh, you can also pre-order the book from there and listen to uh, the podcast from from the website uh, there. Um, you're on a show called the decision hour and, and, and we've talked, you know, every day we make, we make decisions, name a time in, in your guys's life where your feet were on the line, you had to make that decision. And, and maybe it, it, the decision was to, to come forth and, and put this, this book together. And before I, I have you guys answer that, I want to, I want to take a step back for a minute and, and just tip of the hat to you three for doing what you do and, and telling the stories that need to be told. You guys are creating really a, a history book that, that will will stand the, to the end of time to talk mm-hmm. about something that that's happened in, in our country um, that, that, can only be told by those that, that lived it. And that's what you guys are doing. So my, my hats off to you to you gentlemen for, for taking on uh, this project and and do and, and thank you for doing it. Well, thank uh, you.
3: We're just happy to, to share it with the world. And we appreciate even just you having us on to talk more about it. Absolutely.
0: Sure. absolutely. So decisions. Let, let's talk about a decision that you've had to make in your life. What was it? And what was the atmosphere like uh, at that time, Tom? Let's let's start with you.
1: So, mine. Um, within a year of leaving Ranger, Up, my now ex-wife also left me. I was in the next job after that. I thought it was going to be a great fit. It was horrible. Um, everything was completely and totally sideways. I went from. 18 i'm an army ranger 24 i'm at you know at a top 50 school and i'm also got a full-time job working in commercial radio as a morning show guy right from there i immediately pivot in the middle of the recession to ranger up and rocket ship and pioneer the veteran lifestyle aerospace right like i am flying high i'm you know mid-30s the world is just like and i really got very very lost in that you know, morning show shtick meets Tommy, Batboy boy persona type stuff. And like the karmic scales came back for about two and a half years and just decided to bludgeon me. Um, and I was not in a good place. And I made this, I was sitting there like, well, I just got fired from this, this job that I hated. Right. But the way that that happened really rubbed me salty. And I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? Like, I am completely on my, I am flat on my back, you know, just getting dominated like Tim Kennedy beating me up on the Jiu Jitsu mats for 10 rounds. Like, I mean, that's how I feel. And I made the decision that like, it was time to get right with myself. And so I grabbed a 40 liter backpack. I, you know, I was I sold out my equity stake in Ranger Up and I spent five months and I traveled all the way around here, just with a backpack and I mean, look, people are like, oh, well, it's got to be like the Trojan horse way to tell a cool story. Like, look, it was cool. Like, don't get me wrong. But I did it because I was not right with myself. there There were so many things that were not okay in my life. And I knew that in order to try and start fixing 20 years of just like build up, I guess, plaque, I needed the space to like process all of it. I needed to... To deal with the fact that you know my ex left, I need you know for someone else. I needed to deal with the fact that you know Nick and I are still super cool at Ranger Up. He's still one of my best friends in the world. But at that time, we just had different ideas on how to run this business. This business that we had both just gone all in on, right? Um, So for me, that was the decision. And honestly, there was no way on earth I would have been capable of being empathetic enough and understanding enough and. Caring enough about all of these veteran stories, or willing enough, frankly, to come back to the community if I had to. And I'm in such a better place in my life personally. And I don't think that you ever stop serving. And for me, my calling is to tell stories in this space. I just I've realized that through this project. But I was never going to get there if I didn't just pull the ripcord and say, "Yo, you are not okay, and you need to go find a way to like chill out and be okay, or you're going to really do something." Wow.
0: Thanks for sharing that, Tom. That, wow. Whew. Dan, what about you?
2: So if I could tell two stories, but they're kind of connected to each other. So that's, that's why they're, they're kind of two. So, um, my, my first is when I enlisted. So I, uh, when I enlisted, I was 17. I graduated high school early, uh, had to get my parents approval for me to enlist and when I first went to the recruiter to, to make that decision, uh, I told him, I was like, my mom won't let me do anything dangerous. I was <laughs> like, so I have to do something. Uh, I was like, she won't sign the papers if it's dangerous. So I was like, what's exciting, but not too dangerous. And they were like, well, you could be a parachute because then you can at least jump out of planes and that's exciting, but you're not on the front line. I was like, perfect. That sounds great. So I did the delayed entry program. Went to you know um, MEPs the first time. Did all my initial physical. Uh, came back a few months later to actually sign my paperwork to enlist. And uh, when I sat down, I remember sitting down. I think he was with a major or something like that at the time, and he was like, "Son, I don't know what to tell you, but uh, that job parachute rigger isn't available anymore." And I was like, "Uh oh." <laughs> he was like, uh, "What? Uh, you know, what do you want to do?" And I was like, well, what was the other airborne job that you had on, on that list? And he was like, airborne ranger. I was like, yeah, I'll do that one. I had <laughs> no idea what I was getting myself into. Zero idea. Um, so that was obviously a pretty huge decision. But, you know, I, I grew up playing sports and, and skateboarding and doing all these other things. And I think I was too dumb to ever quit anything. So that's why I, you know, I got all the way through, ended up at Range Battalion, Uh, ended up honestly I I feel like I ended up being a a pretty good ranger at the time Um, became a squad leader and I think right at four years or something like that e6 and a little over four years Um, and then I went to uh, the advanced leader course and I used to be an incredible runner Um, you know everybody in the platoon would call me a gazelle because I would just try and break people off and that was my thing to do is just run as fast as I could and And just get people to fall out but uh i was running at alc and i started having chest pains and didn't really know what it was and was trying to figure out you know what happened and i fell out of my first run i've ever fallen out of and uh they scooped me up the cadre did and took me to the hospital i told them what was going on started going through a series of tests and everything to figure out what, what was happening with me and found out that i had a atrial septal defect which you know a lot of people actually have them growing up um have them as as infants and they don't really know anything about it but they can get worse later in life uh, due to stress and excessive you know cardio and things like that overworking your heart um so that's what they told me and they said you know this is uh this is something that you know you really have to think about um and how it's going to affect you and how you want to do things and i had another deployment coming up um and I was like, well, I'm about to deploy. So obviously I'm not making a decision right now. I didn't realize like how bad it was. And then me and, you know, my wife just kept going back and forth. Am I going to enlist? Am I going to stay in and, you know, keep trying to fight this or whatever? Or, or am I going to get out? And uh, ultimately we made the decision. It was a smart decision at the time to get out. You know, it's it's not worth risking, especially your heart. Right. You know, it's the thing that's keeping you alive. So, um what's really interesting about that whole sequence of events and decision is, you know, I didn't, I didn't really talk about it. My medics and doctors kind of, I feel like kind of not swept it under the rug, but kind of kept it quiet because I I later found out I read a David Goggins book um, and he had the same exact issue. He had ASD. His was a little bit more severe than me, but he got med boarded because of it. And they didn't even bring that up to me as an option or that it was that big of an issue. So they kind of just, you know, were like, well, you could stay a ranger, you know, or you can make the decision to get out. So it's just interesting how the whole sequence happened, but, uh, the decision to get out was a smart one. What was the dumb decision was when I decided to get out, I felt like I lost my identity and I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm not a veteran anymore. I'm just going to be a civilian. And, uh, so I didn't, I didn't, you know, play the veteran card at all i hated going to veteran events i didn't connect with a lot of my old buddies that i served with um i really pushed a lot of it off and it took you know basically eight years for me to come back around and say you know what that was a dumb decision
0: it it happens to to quite a few veterans i think more often than than most people realize mm-hmm. I, I can definitely uh yeah definitely
3: relate to that
0: bo what about you
3: You know, I think, um, again, I go back to the beginning, like comparing my uh, story to these guys, it's I just enjoy being around uh, not only Dan and Tom for veterans, but, you know, hearing all these stories and getting to know these men and women in the book are to me are, you know, just light years ahead of myself. But when I look at the decision that I made that ultimately changed my life is really cutting out being a fashion photographer, Uh, I think when you're surrounded in certain lifestyles like that I started becoming somebody who I wasn't you know hanging out with people who I just go into like fashion events and you know pretending to be somebody that I wasn't and it was slowly affecting like my family and my friends around me and I kind of had to come to full circle and realize that even though I was making good money in that space it wasn't something that I wanted to do the rest of my life and so I knew that I wanted to be more on the photojournalistic side of things I wanted to somehow take my Uh, talent as a photographer and storyteller and basically help not so cliche change lives but just help share the stories of people around the world and and in different capacities and i knew that by making that decision to leave you know los angeles and move my life to north carolina and being around my childhood friend dan and, and meeting tom and working on this project um I hate to bring it around to everything around this book, but I got to be honest, Adam, I think all three of us can agree that we have spent like blood, sweat and tears and in putting into this book and we care about it so much. And I think that after I've gotten to photograph and interview these veterans and I can now call them, you know, my friends, it's really, I would say, life-changing for myself to take a step back from being that fashion photographer and actually focus on a project that is helping, you know, shape lives or it's helping to Get out there and let show other photographers or artists that if you want to do something that's impactful, don't just focus on the money and the and the selfish reasons of being behind it, but get out there and photograph and and interview people that can help boost your career and help boost their lives.
1: And I haven't even told these guys this because this just happened to me last night. But my roommate, when I was in college, who was a who was a vet, um, lives in Houston um, and own knows a couple of you know small business guys same thing um our fox and friends you know it's the one big piece of press that we've done but you know cooper i was like yeah man here's the here's the link and you know this is the book and you know this is what we're doing he's like that's awesome he came back and he said that uh one of the guys that he knows it owns like a small scrapyard and stuff um that that um interview about the book led to a really long conversation they had about veterans and their opportunity and so he's going to start trying to find more vets to hire into the scrapyard just because he's like i like that work ethic you know this is it's kind of grimy you know blue collar work but you know and cooper's like yeah man and you know he's you know already connected him to some local people and things like that and um you know again like that's 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 the ripples in the pond that you just don't know, but I think that it starts with being authentic and showing who we are not not, embrace, not not accepting these narratives that other people have given us
0: I love it and 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 i I will go as far as to say is that i again, I appreciate that you guys made the decision to to put this. Uh, book together and, and they the stories that need to be told and, and and quite frankly Tom you just you just said it right there it's it's a book that's already it's not even available yet it's available for pre-order and simply yeah. go to 20yearwar.com uh to order the pre uh, order it right now but you're you're ultimately potentially creating jobs just talking about it. Mhm.
1: I hope so. I, I you know I I did play the veteran card with Dan and you know that didn't really help from being honest. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I had one interview where the HR rep, where I looked at her and I said, ma'am, you absolutely cannot ask me these questions. And then she's the offended one, right? Where right. It's like, yeah. like, okay. <laughs> you just, you just asked literally like five yeah. major HIPAA violations yeah. about my mental health, yeah. ma'am. Okay. because Because I checked a box, like yeah. let's, you know, let breaks, me educate
0: you. you on how this right. interview is going to go.
1: How, right, <laughs> And of course, you can imagine how well that. Called yeah. <laughs> I didn't um, get, I didn't
0: get the job. Huh? Surprised. Okay, huh. Got it. Yeah. 20, <laughs> you know, but it's,
1: it's, it's the, I I think that you, you can make this statement is that when you have um, different groups of people that you don't understand. Okay um, different cultural touchstones that you don't understand. There's fear. Right. Right. And when there's, when there's, when there's fear, you're going to go to cliches and you're going to go to stereotypes because those are the things that you can understand. Like it's not, it's an uncomfortable conversation to have, but it's one that's necessary. Stereotypes exist for a reason. Right. I'm not saying they're accurate all the time or that they're not outdated in some cases. I certainly can make a lot of cases that both those are true for veterans, but they exist for a reason. And so, it's incumbent upon you if you are part of that group and part of that community to change the stereotype, not expect, you know, in the case of the case of the post-GWAT veteran, 99.15% of Americans, sure, let me wave that magic wand and expect you guys to do something if I don't put the work in, right. like, but guess what? Speaking only for the veteran community, which is what I'm a part of, we are some of the hardest working per capita. We We're, we're more entrepreneurial inclined. We're, we're, we're more creative. We're more adaptable. We do better in school. When we do finally find that fit in that company, we outperform our peers. Like this is all small business, you know, governments, SBA and, and VA and data. Like I, you know, I can, I got receipts for this. Right. Right. That's the narrative. That's the message. So, but the thing is, is that we've got to remember it's not on them. It's not, you want to talk about a decision, I would, you know, as, as this being the decision, mm-hmm. now, I would encourage every veteran listening to this to make the decision to educate the people around you. Because if you don't, if you don't show who you are, really are, and you and, and you don't stop playing into these stereotypes, you're not helping yourself and you're not helping the community. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the real work and it's hard work and it sucks. And there have been plenty of times, even through the process of this book where I'm like, Goddamn damn Batman like really we're gonna re- we're gonna do this again It's been 20 years we're gonna do it f- we the three of us will do it thousands and thousands of times because uh-huh. we have to because that's the work but guess what? you know one one interview through a friend and suddenly veterans have opportunity in Houston what happens when, what happens when when we talk to someone in Chicago where I grew up what happens you know if we end up running to some random you know eye banker Nonprofit rich dude in Connecticut right and suddenly he's in, like you never know but you've got to do the work right mm-hmm.
0: I love it I love it gentlemen I appreciate you guys' time today uh, any parting words for the listeners no we're just uh
2: we're grateful to to be on uh decision hour obviously and and uh you know we're excited for people to buy our book at 20yearwar.com and uh listen to our podcast too never left behind and just hear these stories, read these stories, and, and learn from them.
0: Love it. Again, guys, thank you very much for, for taking time out of your guys' busy day to, to uh, share your stories and the great work that you guys are doing. Folks, if you want to pre-order the book, this is one that you're going to want in your home, 20yearwar.com. Open up a browser, go to the website, place your order right now. Do it now. Uh, I'll have all this stuff in the show notes. Uh, Before we let you go, shout out to our parent network, Heroes Media Group. Make sure you go check out all the shows uh, over there and all the stuff that they're doing Yeah, over there. Go check it out, heroesmediagroup.com. Until next time, you've been listening to The Decision Hour.